Greetings, Hempster. Thank you for tuning in to another hemp episode of Hemp Aware Radio. Hemp entrepreneurs and hemp companies around the world struggle to market and sell their products, but it doesn't have to be that way. At hempaware.com, we provide strategic digital marketing and branding so that hemp companies and entrepreneurs can transform the world with their hemp products or services and transform the planet in a way that supports all life. So if you're struggling to get traffic to your website or to convert that traffic into ongoing sales, or if you're needing help with your website or marketing in any way, just visit hempaware.com and check out some of the valuable free resources that we have for you hemptrepreneurs out there. On today's show, I'm excited to introduce you to a company called Hempitecture. And if you haven't already heard about what they're up to. They offer an awesome line of eco-friendly, sustainable hemp building products. And their mission is very simple, to build a better world with better materials for people and planet. And to help me share with you a little bit about their projects and their vision and what they're doing to succeed as a hemp-based company, I have special guest, Johnny Pedersen, Head of Growth and Operations at Hempitecture. But briefly, I'd like to share that Hempitecture was founded with the idea that healthy, sustainable materials can help build a better world. And these materials can help build a better world by contributing to our health, saving energy, and storing carbon within our walls. So they achieved their mission by focusing on bio-based natural building materials, that are designed to replace conventional toxic materials with hemp at their foundation. So whether you're an individual or a family, or maybe you own a construction company, or you're a builder or an architect, no matter what it is that you do, if you want to integrate building materials made of hemp into your projects, Johnny from Hempitecture is here today from their team to help me hemp educate your hemposphere. It's been way too long since hemp was known for what it really is, an essential solution for food, our homes, clothing, plastics, fuel, medicine, and so much more. So if you're ready to take your hemp game to the next level, you're going to love this hemp episode. So without further ado, welcome aboard, Johnny. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Tyler. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got involved in the hemp industry and kind of what inspired the formation of Hempitecture. Yeah, my background actually is in psychology and I was a teacher for a few years and then I just kind of found myself really fascinated by the world of sustainability and doing a bunch of research and taking all these free classes. And so I kind of made this career switch when I just had decided that I wanted to go into sustainability. And that's kind of like a broad, broad (laughs) entity as a, as, as a whole, but Mm -hmm. came across Hempitecture. I'd met Maddie Mead a number of years ago and saw that they were hiring. And I have now been a part of the team for almost two years now. So it's been pretty cool to see its growth and development over the last couple of years. Awesome. And was it hemp in particular that drew you to their business or was it the building aspect or what about it? Like in particular that drew you to hemp protection to want to work there? Yeah, for me, it was really the sustainable vision and product and introducing like a newer material into the market. And so I don't really have much of a background in, in building, but I just, I knew I wanted to be a part of the effort. And so 
I've learned a lot about hemp and and the built environment and everything since, since joining the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're an awesome team. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to one of the events that you guys did in Idaho a few years back and it was wonderful. Just really good, valuable information. And I can tell you guys are passionate and love what you're doing. Wow, and yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to go into kind of the purpose and, and mission and vision of Hempitecture, can you give us the, the hemp vision in a nutshell? Yeah. So you kind of nailed that in the in the introduction. Thank you for those kind words. Hempitecture is reimagining what our future can look like. It's a tangible one where there are natural, non-toxic building materials like our hemp wool insulation, where those materials become the, the industry standard. We're trying to scale those natural building materials in the United States and displace harmful, unhealthy, unsustainable materials to create healthier homes, a healthier planet, and just a benefit to the overall essence of people, mm-hmm. you know. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's really comes down to the sustainability and, but the, the health benefits of hemp and just providing that to the end consumer and, and construction workers, people that are wanting to integrate hemp into their building projects. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's like, that's a, that's a big part of, of it is they're this, introducing a newer material in the market isn't necessarily like an easy thing to do in general, but for us, it's all about making healthier, sustainable options more accessible to people as well. Most certainly. So tell us a little bit about the Hempitecture business model and, and about your product line. Are you guys mainly focused on B2B or B2C? Like, are you going for the end consumers or more like wholesale large projects or what, what's the business model? And then maybe tell us a little bit about the, the hemp wool insulation product. And I know you guys are also doing like a hempcrete binder product as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Hempitecture got its start when Maddie, our CEO and founder, was studying architecture and environmental sciences at Hobart. And he kind of became fascinated with the environmental issues, such as like landfilling, given that the largest mega landfill in the Northeast was located not too far from there. And so he really wanted to develop a solution for that, which is what Hempitecture became to be. And since then, he's developed and built several different hempcrete projects around the U.S. But when Tommy Gibbons, our CIO and co-founder, joined the team, they were kind of looking at how to sustain a business because hempcrete is an, is an amazing material, but it is very time and labor intensive Um I don't know if you've had experience kind of building with it yet. And that's where they started introducing hemp wool insulation, which is a fiber bat bio-based insulation to the market and kind of seeing what is the interest, who who would be wanting to buy this and and how scalable is something like this. Mm -hmm. And they kind of found that hemp wool was much more accessible and and scalable in in the business sense. And so here we are now with our newly developed manufacturing facility, which is located in Idaho and we have our hemp wool insulation. We're starting to see some really other exciting products being developed at our manufacturing line, including like an exterior continuous insulation, carpet underlayment. This technology can really use these bio-based fiber materials to create insulating uh, bio-based materials, which is exciting. It extends beyond just the built environment. But we still, although we've kind of stepped away from the building aspect of hempcrete, we still offer the raw materials for that because there is like such a large interest in in working with hempcrete. 
that's kind of our, our model and where we're at. Nice. So yeah, Maddie kind of started out on more just the architectural side of things and then discovered hemp as a building material and then got into the hempcrete thing pretty big and teaching people how to do like cast method versus like spray method and educating people doing workshops and whatnot. And then, like you said, you guys discovered the hemp wool product, which is a much easier product to sell as far as packaging it and delivering it. Whereas hempcrete is a very labor intensive approach. So it was harder to kind of move those types of products, which was a really wise business move. I know you guys have kind of shifted in that way to more focus on the hemp wool. And it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the hemp wool was originally a company based out of Canada and and you guys acquired their machinery or that brand or how how did that work out? Yeah, we um, we were the U.S. distributors of hemp wool and so of their hemp like fiber bat insulation Mm. and we did a lot of research and and brought in our own manufacturing machinery using non-woven technology which we acquired from Italy actually and so Mm. we've here building out this manufacturing facility and working with local agricultural companies such as IND Hemp to localize our entire supply chain so Previously, you were seeing a lot of materials, especially whether it's hempcrete or hemp wool, those raw industrial hemp fibers were actually coming from Europe. We have kind of localized the entire process where we're getting our raw materials locally and we've created the manufacturing line for the U.S. So this technology is kind of the first of its kind here. Mm -hmm. How cool. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. We're very excited about it. So as far as getting into more of the current state of the world as it relates to building materials, our homes, and some of the existing challenges, what would you say are like some of the biggest challenges that existing builders are dealing with when it comes to whether it's drywall or or fiberglass insulation or just the the current building materials, like why would there be a need to start replacing hemp with those materials? That's a really great question. And so it really kind of just goes back to the the built environment as a whole. The built environment emits 40% of greenhouse gases, which is kind of more than we see with other industries, even transportation, things like that. And so... We're trying to introduce this material that kind of looks at the entire embodied carbon of materials. And embodied carbon kind of refers to the sum of all the greenhouse gas emissions, mostly in the form of CO2, carbon dioxide, that results from the mining, harvesting, processing, manufacturing, transportation, and installation of these materials. So the embodied carbon footprint is kind of the the entire amount of CO2 emissions to produce just one material. And so something that's really big in the built environment is talking about net zero carbon. Net zero is kind of part of the operational carbon, which refers to the greenhouse gas emissions due to the energy consumption used in the building. So just what's used during the life of the building, instead of looking at the entire start to finish of those materials, where did they come from? How were they manufactured? How far did they have to travel to get there? And then what happens to them at the end of that life cycle? of that building. Is it going to the landfill? Is it full of toxins? Is it going to bleed into the earth? And so that's 
kind of part of the newer building aspect of the industry. And then there's also a lot of the buildings that are existing today in the U.S. are still going to be around in 2050. And so to really achieve these climate actions set by the Biden-Harris administration and just across the world as a whole is making those energy efficiency improvements in the, in the homes. And insulation is a huge part of that, proving your wall systems or drafty ceilings or in your flooring or different things like that to help keep energy usage at a low while also keeping your home at a regulated temperature. And we wanted to, to produce these materials that are local and from bio-based materials and have a, a better end of life, but also start of life, right? And mm-hmm. also the life of the home. Does yeah. that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's tremendous benefit. It sounds like switching over to a net zero, eco-friendly, carbon sequestering material due to mm-hmm. 40% of greenhouse gases being emitted by the built housing construction industry. That's huge. So by decreasing a lot of that waste and packaging and transportation, like all the different things that you had mentioned, mining and harvesting, can really lower the carbon footprint. And not only that, but as you mentioned, the health aspects of it, a lot of the building materials today are not only energy efficient or not as energy efficient as hemp can be, but also the health detriments, whether it's mold or asbestos or different tools that are used in manufacturing these products that then leach into our environment and oftentimes create what I think is referred to as sick building syndrome. So yeah, it's super crucial and, and very important for many reasons for people to start adopting hemp as a building material. Yeah, and it even goes into not those just residing in the building, but also those that are helping build the building, right? Mm -hmm. Deserve to work with a material that's better than itchy glass splintering holes that leach into your lungs. We want to do better for people and the planet as a whole. Exactly. Yeah, just create a healthier atmosphere. And I've been in a few hemp homes myself over the years, and they are just amazing when it comes to the quality of air and I mean it just it feels so organic you you just feel like your house is breathing and it, it's such a great feeling yeah I've been in a couple and it just feels even just more peaceful especially like hempcrete homes just a quality to the air and hempcrete's also it's still although we've kind of stepped away from building with it it is still a really incredible material to work with I mean I forget how many tons of co2 per square foot it's like some insane number of carbon dioxide is absorbed during the drying process of hempcrete. Mm-hmm. So that's a really fascinating thing to think that like, yes, hemp with hemp wool, you are putting a carbon storing material in your home. And so therefore your house becomes this carbon storing material. But you kind of amplify that even with something like hempcrete because your building is actively doing that while being a building mm-hmm. material. Exactly. Pretty fascinating yeah. stuff. <laughs> it is. It's an essential solution to not only provide what I believe will be more affordable housing, of course, the initial cost might be a little bit more than typical building materials. But in the end, with the energy efficiency and ultimately the health benefits, I mean, you're Mm going to end up saving on electricity bills and health bills and so many Mm -hmm. things that will end up costing you a lot more going with the standard building material route. 
Yeah, there's a lot of incredible building and federal incentives as a whole that are coming out for energy efficiency improvements, and that includes insulation. And so with those retrofits or renovations that people are doing, there's the federal incentive, which is I think like 1200 to 1400 but that will also down the road, we will probably learn more over the next year or so, are going to be further incentives that are produced by the city or state even. Um, and mm-hmm. really rooting to see embodied carbon materials also becoming a part of that. And even bigger savings in helping our overall economic growth as a whole. Yeah. And taking these steps for your home, whether you're building a new home or renovating your home is your that that investment pays off down the road because you can increase the value of your home by making these like small improvements. But mm-hmm. exciting to see that there's some support from the government in making those improvements happen. Absolutely. Well, we've covered quite a few benefits and features of working with hemp as a building material, but are there any other main benefits or features that you can think of that you wanted to note? Yeah. Hemp wool in particular is healthy and non-toxic material that's VOC free and there's no red list ingredients. Uh, It's vapor permeable and hygroscopic, meaning it can interact with moisture without any issues. There's the ease of installation. It's safe to handle. It's high performing due to its like pressure fit system. And it's really cool. Like we've gotten images of entire, like a dad cutting the insulation and kids putting it in. Like you wouldn't do that with any other insulation material. Another aspect of it too, you're supporting local. Our insulation is USA made and grown. So we're, you're not only supporting a local business, but you're also helping rural communities that are essential to our supply chain flourish and grow. Mm -hmm. And so we're just really excited about this material and all the endless possibilities because it can create sustainable options for even beyond just the built environment. Exactly. That's awesome. So, and then in terms of the comparison of hemp, like insulation versus typical rock wool or fiberglass or the other insulation products out there, do you offhand the R value or what some of those numbers are in comparison? Yeah, that's a great question. It's kind of like a one-to-one replacement to those conventional insulation types. The R value is about 3.7 per square inch. And more recently, we were able to lower our prices since turning on our manufacturing line, which is also really exciting and developing all these new warehouses across across the U.S. to make shipping costs and accessibility easier for people. But as far as the comparison goes, yeah, we're we're also working with the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Lab to further conduct research and testing on our materials, which is really cool. So we should see an LCA, an EPD, and our ASTM testing completed here soon. Awesome. That'll be super valuable research. So getting into some of the the misconceptions, because obviously hemp is, I would say, a miracle material, and a lot of people are out there claiming certain things about it, but are there any misconceptions or ideas that are maybe out there that are, are inaccurate or that you might be able to clear up for us? I think one of the first misconceptions is that this is related to the THC and CBD strain of cannabis sativa. Industrial hemp is kind of like the, as Maddie has put it before, the sober cousin to THC and CBD. Mm -hmm. 
no cannabinoids in the material. You know, it, it takes like 120 years for a tree to create the same amount of building materials as a few acres of hemp it can in, in one growing season. While like both kind of sequester carbon during growth and for their lifetimes in a structure. Mature living trees sequester, I think, around like three tons of CO2 per hectare grown. And hemp kind of sequesters nine tons of CO2 per growing season. And then misconceptions is kind of an interesting word, but like the vast majority of conventional materials end up in landfills, whereas hemp, on the other hand, is a bio-based material. Reed also has that lime, which is a natural binder and a soil amendment. Hemp can be broken down by microbial activity. And we're still working on our LCA, our life cycle analysis of hemp wool, to find the best end-of-life use for this material And mm-hmm. that, with Oak Ridge National Lab. But I think a lot of the misconceptions around hemp is that we really just lost a lot of that trust in the materials that can be made from industrial hemp. And that was largely due to political political whatevers in the in the 1920s through onward it's an 18 farm bill passed and so we're just kind of like i think it's it it feels like you're introducing a new material and well we are introducing a newer material new old material into yeah. it and there's just yeah. a lot of reluctance around the validity of these materials and so we're really trying to make sure that we have the research and the studies to back all this work that we're doing, because we want to show people how incredible bio-based materials are as an option. For sure. That's great. So, so yeah, just un- understanding that the biggest misconceptions are the relationship of hemp and cannabis, like the medical or CBD side of things. You guys are using raw materials that are coming from essentially the stock of the plant, which has no cannabinoids. So if the house catches on fire, no one's going to get all stoned. Yeah. Your neighborhood won't get high. I think someone yeah. asked me that before. Like, <laughs> just don't burn exactly. down your house. Don't smoke it. <laughs> exactly. You'll just get a bad headache. That's what I've heard. So to shift gears into going into the marketing, business, sales side of things and helping those entrepreneurs out there that are listening in, what have been some of the biggest challenges running a hemp company and how have you guys been able to work through those challenges or overcome them? Great question. So Hempitecture has been at this for the last decade upon starting this company circa the 2018 hemp bill. People thought Maddie was kind of insane for trying to build with hemp. And there's been so many pivots over that time leading us to where we are now with our manufacturing line. And so I think just being able to pivot and persevere regardless of, of how people think your work is, is kind of key from what I've seen. And we're really fortunate from where I was with the company a couple of years ago to now we've, we've pretty much tripled we're at 10 employees now, which is so great. And we've got like such a strong team. And so a lot of this was made possible by community building and, and Maddie and Tommy really just kind of exploring how can they make something like this accessible and scalable and where's the demand and what's possible? What kind of funding is out there? What kind of support is out there? What kind of demand? Cool. So just essentially being uh, resilient and having that strong will to continue, no matter what other people are saying about what you're doing and persevering, but also being willing to shift and alter your course when you need to. Like you said in the beginning of our conversation, starting out working with just hempcrete, you guys 
this hemp wool product and it being an easier product to work with, something that you can manufacture and produce a lot of and ship around the world, just required less hands-on education like the hempcrete does. So being able to kind of shift into that was was super valuable for you guys. Yeah. And, and the applications of industrial hemp is kind of endless. So picking what you're interested in or what kind of your niche product is and finding that demand and is kind of, I mean, I guess that's kind of just part of, of having a business in the form of selling a product. But yeah, we're going to see a lot of changes from industrial hemp and the potential offerings. And there's just going to be so much growth. I really believe there's going to be a lot of growth over this next decade, especially as we reintroduce seed genetics and product applications and the development of the manufacturing lines from decortication to something like ours, which is non-woven technology. I think there's just a lot of possibility within the industrial hemp zone. And you're a part of the community. The industrial hemp community is just so excited to see this flourish. So true. They're such good people. And the majority of the people have really good hearts and they want to do good in the world and make a difference. Yeah. And hemp is definitely that vehicle to create the change that we want to see in the world. Totally. Totally. So as far as some of the skill sets or things like talents, things that an entrepreneur entering into the hemp market, what would you say are some of the most important skills that would be needed to run a hemp business? Oh gosh, this might be a better question suited for Tommy and Maddie. But from what I've seen over the last couple of years is it's all been in-house organic methods for us, especially when it comes to like marketing and, and generating those sales. So I guess just trying to stay organized or creating a good system of flow that works for you and what you're doing. But maybe that's just for me because I love a good system of operations. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in terms of, and that's definitely helpful. And I agree, having systems in place is an essential skill because otherwise, as you grow, as you onboard maybe more products or more people onto your team. Without those systems, things can start to fall apart really quickly. So that is essential. But your so your background is in psychology. How have you been able to apply some of your your knowledge or education working with Hempitecture and what you're doing with the business growth strategy side of things? A lot of my work throughout university and, and after that was really around community-based efforts and organizations and those types of things. So I think for me, it's just been kind of getting to, to talk to different people and taking the time to really like learn about like the ins and outs and trying to stay on top of all the research that's coming out. So it's just been kind of this really wonderful journey about seeing... I, I, I've gotten to see all these these different industries kind of come together, both the industrial hemp side, the agricultural side, there's like the government and research side, and then there's also the building aspect. So you get to talk to different designers and architects and, and different things like that. And so mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know if, if it, psychology is such a soft science. I mean, I, I love yeah. the program, but I don't know, maybe it's the aspect of, of getting to work with people that has... Um, really been a great, great aspect of, of working with hemp texture. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
psychology is a part of everything, whether it's relationship building or communication skills or mm-hmm. running a business, just being a part of a team. It's a very foundation to have. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and especially as a startup, you're just going to be wearing so many different hats that it's <laughs> Most certainly that's just like part of the game is just being willing to to talk and learn and pivot and learn some more and stack a bunch of different tasks on your plate. Mm-hmm. Um, fun. It's been a, it's been cool. Nice. Well, I just have a couple last questions before we wrap it up. And uh, you had mentioned some of the things that you guys do are you pretty much all in-house, just organic strategies and, and ways of, of getting the word out, reaching out to different potential customers. But what are some of the other marketing tactics, tools, or strategies that you guys use to, to generate more leads and convert those leads into business? That's a great question. That being kind of a larger part of my role and not having a more formal background in marketing is I'd say using free tools, email, blog, social media, finding two social media channels is my top recommendation. Don't overdo it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And creating a lot of content because people love content. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then talk to people who are in the industry you're interested in. So I've I've been fortunate enough to have a couple of great mentors along the way to help guide me in the process or make suggestions on different strategies we can use. Although we've been kind of pretty organic and in-house, like I said, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of support in in different partnerships and research to test and develop our product lines. But also there's some really cool like accelerators out there that are wanting to support these small businesses grow and see what's free and usable around you or design and creation, but also see what else is out there. Listen to a marketing podcast. Build it, the built environment is a different a different kind of beast, I feel like, for marketing. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, this is my first time entering the marketing field. Yeah. Well, that's great. Those are really valuable tidbits because email marketing is one of the most underlooked or underestimated methods for marketing and just staying in touch with your customers. And like you said, getting on the socials and creating high quality content that positions you as an expert and gives value to your community are all very valuable ways to market your brand and get the message out there. And like you said, getting involved with local communities or figuring out where your customers are hanging out and then just getting right into the conversation are all really valuable ways of getting your marketing out there. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So just one last question, a big question that I'd love to ask our entrepreneurial guests that come on the show. If you had a podium and you were standing up addressing the entire world, every human being on the planet could hear what you had to say and you could share one thing about hemp, what would that be? I'd say support the Industrial Hemp Act of 2023. When the 2018 Farm Bill took the industrial out of the industrial hemp definition, we lost an important distinction distinction between very different crops. And so this act is kind of important because we don't want to burden farmers who grow fiber and grain crops with background checks or costly mandatory sampling and testing protocols. 
So for hemp specifically, that, that's what I would say. <laughs> nice. And then on a broader vision, if you could share any topic at all to the entire world, what would that be if you had another thought on that? Yeah, I think taking the time to acknowledge where our materials are sourced from is key to stepping forward in our climate action. Considering the materials that you're consuming, where they come from and what effect they have on the environment. Think deeply yeah. about that. Yeah, how they're made and, and where do they go afterwards. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been super fun. I really appreciate you being on the show today. And thank you to all our listeners. This is your hemp entrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp, here to hemp power your hempisphere because it's important. Look forward to seeing you all in the next episode.